Hey, this is Kirna Grad from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, and today we have Bench Miller with us. In 2021, Bench co-founded System and Soul. It's the only operating framework that combines the systems and soul of a business. Systems and soul pull in some of the same systems and principles that have helped businesses run better for decades, but also have a deeper focus on the soul of the business, the identity, the culture, and people development. Together, these elements are proven to create breakthroughs in companies across industries to accelerate growth. That being said, let's hear it from Benz himself. Benz, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Pleasure to be here. Very curious. Benz, let's begin with your journey. Tell us about yourself. You are a serial entrepreneur. So where did it all start? It all started with a bad boss. I worked for, I was in a company for two years. Got two promotions, found myself working for the CEO, and it took about six months for us to have an I quit, you're fired conversation. So his history is not clear which one went first, but in that conversation, I found myself no longer with a job and what a blessing that was. And honestly, I was like, I, I had no intentions of being an entrepreneur or starting my own business. It was really more of a, well, if I can go out on my own and be a freelancer and replace my income. That would be pretty cool. That was the biggest ambition I had at the time. Could I replace my income and work for myself? But as stories evolve. Yes. And that is where a bad boss changed the whole perspective of things. And now you are your own boss for decades and so on. So let's try to understand the business lessons. Please tell us about the business lessons that you have had over the years. Some important tips for emerging entrepreneurs. Yes, I think, and this is the first time I, I'm sharing this. So a little risky here, but I think I've found the two biggest business hacks that there are. And when I stumbled into this, I felt like an idiot because I've heard it my whole life. And it's, I think it was first said about 2000 years ago. And that's when Jesus said, the first commandment is love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. How does that a business hack? The first part is that if you think about the greatest leaders that you've been around or, or had to gotten to experience firsthand, they have a sense of calm about them. They have a sense of purpose about them. And it's rooted in an identity that they have and that they got from somewhere. And when we place our identity, in this case, someone or something that's immovable, unshakable, unchangeable, then our identity can stay there too. When we put our primary focus on something bigger than ourselves and we focus on that, our ego kind of shifts to the side. And so we're not showing up to be a leader or a salesman or whatever the business needs us to be with some need to prove ourselves or be something to somebody or get approval from somebody. We can just show up as we are. And as we show up with that confidence, the second part of that Man, I think business is the greatest place where we get to impact other people because my employees are working 40, 50 hours that, that I have their attention. Now, they've got lots of work to do. I'm not sitting there bothering them the whole time, but to be able to create an atmosphere and coaching mentor relationship with them to encourage them to be the greatest version of themselves that they can be. And what does it look like for you? What are you trying to do? What's going on right in your life right now? What are you trying to do? What's on your bucket list? How can I help you be the person that you want to be in this life? If they feel that, then they go home to their spouse full of energy. They go home to their kids full of energy. They can go 
volunteer and impact their community with energy. So my goal as a, as a leader was always that my employees went home at the end of the day with more energy than they came in with, which is, which is tough when you're going to work for eight hours. But if we show up with the love and the dignity and the humanity, businesses run on people. And so how can we partner with them, with those people to enhance their lives and let them worry about building our businesses, right? We think we're the only ones that care about our business and all the weight's on us. And if we make it about us, it will be. Wow. It, it is going to be about us unless and until we shift the paradigm, until we shift the way that we look at things. And we have to make sure that the people who are working with us, the culture is maintained and the soul of the business is quite clear. Bench, how do you do that? How do you make sure that the, the culture is stable there and uh, the identity of the business, the, the people development is all done all together? Yeah. So there's a lot to it. I just were a week away, a week ago, I, I launched my second book. It's called Renegades. It's for founders, specifically for founders. So your audience is, is right there. And in it, we dissect the six shifts that renegades are founders, man. They're, they break rules in order to find freedom. And sometimes in that process, we end up building kind of the cage holds us prisoner because now we're, we wanted this to have freedom. And now we find ourselves attached to the business and we got to be cranking 60 hours a week and all this stuff. My goal is to help founders get out of that cycle. But a lot of the shifts have to do with the things that the business needs that aren't necessarily the strength of the founder. I was a very soulful leader early in my career, in my entrepreneurial career. Like I loved shaping the culture of the organization, the identity of the, cult, the, the organization. I loved the people development side of the organization. But at the same time, I shunned all of the things that make businesses scalable because I didn't want a grown up, air quote, grown up company. I wanted a fun, startup, youthful environment. But the, those things I came to learn the hard way when I had an employee look at me and say, I don't know if I'm winning or not. I don't, I, I enjoy working here, but I don't go home at the end of the day with the clarity of, did I do a good job? So a lot of what our job as a, as a leader to do is to force clarity and simplicity into the business as it grows. So things as simple as the cadence of the business. Does an employee know how often they're going to have a coaching conversation with their manager? Do they know how often they're going to have a team meeting? Do they know what's going to happen in that team meeting every week? What's expected of them in that team meeting every week? With what metrics will they be held accountable to? Um, do they have the full picture of what we're focused on as an organization, all the way from a vision to the culture, to the values, to what we're focused on right now with the bets we're making in the business? Can we give every employee all, the dignity of having all that clarity? And that was a struggle for me early on. And part of it was a struggle because I don't like rules. I don't like doing the same thing over and over again, the follow-up, the details, all that stuff. I'm not wired for that. So it wasn't until I realized that A, my people needed it, even though I didn't need it, my people needed it. And number two, I didn't have to do it. I could delegate it, mm -hmm. right? Like these are good things for the business to have. It doesn't mean I have to shape who I am. The business needed my renegade energy. It needed me to be out there with new ideas and new customers and new products and shaping the, the organization. 
It didn't need me to get in the details and in the weeds, but it needed somebody focused on that. And so when I figured out that it needed it and that I could delegate it and found that right person, it was an absolute game changer. It sure was. It sure was, Vince. Thank you so much for enlightening us on what the processes could be, how to replace them and why they are needed. Even if you don't have to do it, somebody else can do it for you. Bench, tell us about a client success story. Can you please share uh, a success story of a client that you have recently worked with or someone who is on the top of the mind? Right? Sure. One of my favorites is uh, a company I worked with for about two and a half years. Uh, when I when they came in, they had recently got private equity funding. They were on a, a pretty good growth trajectory and they did a good job in the beginning hiding from me that their culture was a wreck. I learned it almost in retrospect. So I work with senior leadership teams together as a group. I don't work one-on-one. It's not executive coaching. This is about getting clarity, alignment, getting healthy as a, as a senior leadership team. And so we, we were about two years into working together and they'd done just enormous growth, but a lot of the growth, they were already on a sale, like a revenue growth trajectory. I didn't influence that at all. But if you talk to the founder, but when I did talk to the founder as they were exiting, he reflected back to me that him and his technical co-founder were the only people still in the room from when I started working with them. So they had gone through a full leadership change to get to where they needed to be in order to take the business to where it needed to be for that exit. And we're, we're, this is a nine digit exit, like the, it's a healthy company upon exit, but there was a lot that they had to do to really reinvent the culture that they wanted to have because it was, they had this great tight little culture when it was 20 people and now it's a hundred people and it had dissolved with the, the growth, the impact of the culture, it dissolved. And so part of it was just reverse engineering the culture that they wanted to have and then figuring out what they needed to do to build that. Their revenue was going like this. I would say that they're their focus over those two and a half years and the impact was really around the culture and the people development. And that's what made it a really special company and got them a very sizable multiple on their exit. Wow. Benji, that was quite a story. Now we know how you can transform businesses. Are there any systems? Are there any processes? Are there any steps that you take when you work with a client or what? Yeah. Yeah. It's very regimented. We start with two days together. And excuse me, we'll start with the first day. And the first day, we're going to put in all four of what I call the four tools for confident execution. If we don't have confidence that we can execute as an organization, then it doesn't matter how much strategy, how much vision. We're not going to spend time on that because we know it's a waste if we can't execute. Very first day, we get really serious and it's the most basic, boring things, but it's the blocking tackling. It's the things that you have to do as a business. So You've got to have a really clear org chart. What is the, and it's not about hierarchy, it's about clarity. So what, if I'm sitting in a seat for the organization, what do I own? What do I own? What are my KPIs associated with it? How are you going to measure if I'm winning or not? We put a mission on each one of those seats. Why does this seat exist for the sake of the organization? So now they come in and they've got a purpose tied to the bigger purpose of that. And then what are the things that they, you know, the responsibilities that they have? Whose team are they on? Who do they report to? All that it gets shaped by an org chart. The second thing is what we call a scoreboard. Now, lots of companies talk about scorecards or, or they have different words for it, but we love scoreboard because most of us have some experience with sports. 
and you don't wait till the game's over to get the score. Unless maybe in MMA or boxing or something, it might be the exception. But most sports, you look up and you can see the scoreboard and it gives you the information to know if you're winning or not. Are you on the path toward winning? And if not, call timeout, make adjustments, whatever. So a good scoreboard's number two. Number three is a great weekly, we call it a weekly sync, but a team meeting where you're spending time connecting, you're spending time making sure that all the most important things that you're focused on as a business are on track. And then you're spending the majority of that time working on the opportunities that arise in the business. Hey, we have our strategy. This is what we're going to do, but something pops up. We need to talk about it. We need to figure it out. We need to deal with this problem. Any, it, we call them opportunities because a lot of people call them issues, which make people hide their issues. But in my department, if I have an issue, we want the mindset that on the other side of that issue is an opportunity for our business. And once we get through the oh. issue, it's now an opportunity. So we use that language on purpose. So that's that, the meeting. And then the fourth tool for competent execution are your quarterly objectives or your OKRs. What are the big things that we're working on to make the business better next quarter than it is this quarter? The maturing activities of the business. So it's not hitting your sales goal is not an OKR, but implementing a new CRM might be, right? Because that work is going to impact future work. So the mindset there that we're investing in the business, we're working on the business, we're taking time to work on the business. Those four tools set up us up really well. We come back in as coaches and we help them build a roadmap. And the roadmap is that one page strategic plan that encapsulates who they are as a business, where they're going, what they're trying to do, we use Jim Collins' hedgehog concept to help them get massive focus around what are they great at, what are they passionate about, and what drives their economic engine. We help them engineer the culture that they want to have and then help them place bets. What are they driving toward from an objective standpoint three years from now? What are their goals for this year? And what are those objectives for the next 90 days? When they have the four tools for confident execution, when they have the clarity around the roadmap, then they're off to the races. And so what we do is we're available for coaching conversations in between, but we show up once a quarter. We do a retrospect. How'd we do last quarter? We're going to learn or some new tool or do new, some new team health exercise to work on our leadership. And then um, we look forward to the next quarter. In the process of doing this, we're also teaching all those leaders in the room how they can go back and lead with their teams. So I'm the leader in the room demonstrating, here's how you run a weekly meeting. Here's how you set objectives, all of these things. And then they can go back and do those same things with their team. And now their teams are experiencing what is true leadership development. This is how you run a meeting. This is how you manage people. This is how all of those things get tied in, especially when we're doing those team health and leader development exercises. Those are just... Got it. Got it. What a wonderful way of putting down the steps. Uh, are you a core believer in spirituality? Because somewhere in your business name, the word soul is mentioned. So yeah. what, by that, how do you look at it? Yeah, that's a great question. I am personally spiritual. The business is not necessarily spiritual, though. The, the soul really refers to, it reminds us of the identity and humanity of the organization. So who is this company? What does it stand for? How do I relate to it? How do other people relate to it? And it, it really reminds us that the business is driven by human energy, right? And human energy is by nature spiritual. So there is a soul to it. And if we neglect that soul, 
we're going to end up with a soulless company. Nobody really wants to build a soulless company, but there's not a whole lot of gurus and Forbes articles about making sure that you keep the soul in your company. We talk about all the other stuff and that gets left out. Yes, yes, got it. And that's where the soul comes from because each company, each organization has its soul. Whether or not you can tell it, that is based on how good they are at presenting it. Ben, next question to you is about the misconceptions about coaching that we come across. Oh, I think there's a few people that think that coaching is about pushing uh, their clients, about like like hardcore accountability. And I'm sure that has its place. I've found that I'm only going to push a client as hard as they want to be pushed, as I'm only going to challenge them as much as they want to be challenged. So when we enter the session room and a client's had a bad quarter, they didn't, let's talk about their OKRs. Like they didn't really perform well on their OKRs. Maybe they got two out of six of them done. That's not my moment to belittle them for their lack of performance. Usually I would respond with something like, okay, so we got two of six. Is that good enough for the people in this room? So I put it back on them. I let them decide what is their tolerance for performance. And then we build around that. They're like, no, we want to be at five out of six. And I'm like, all right, what do we need to do different next quarter to have the confidence that we're going to be at five out of six or six out of six or six out of seven, whatever we set that up to be. And I really let them lead. And so my job is to ask the tough questions. I, a good coach doesn't necessarily have all the answers, but they're outside of the players in the game. So they're able to see what's happening there and just ask questions like, Hey, I sense you're really quiet right now. What's going on? I don't have to know what's going on. I just have to sense that something's going on and ask and see if they're vulnerable and brave enough to bring that up and speak that into existence in the room. And then if they do trust the team that we can solve it together. And when you can get to that place where people are willing to be vulnerable with their own personal uh, shortcomings, but then the team steps in to solve them as a team, that's a magic moment. Other misconceptions, I'm not sure. I don't even know what conceptions are out there. I never set out to be a business coach. I stumbled into it and I just love being helpful, being able to facilitate that human energy that's in the, the senior leadership team, challenge them, give them the tools when they're stuck, the right question when they're stuck. All that just gives me enormous pleasure. So there you have it, guys. A coach is not going to give you all the right answers, but they might ask you the right questions. That might you yourself do yourself, so that might work for you. People are getting curious now. They want to reach out to you. So tell us about some of the ways of getting a hold of you. Yeah, cool. I've got a short, very short, that's the whole point, daily email with leadership tips, reminders, encouragement that I send out every day. You can sign up for that at the261.com. It's T-H-E, the numbers, 261.com, because there's 261 work days in the business year. That's where that comes from. So you're going to get one a day and then got a great new book for founders on Amazon. It's called Renegades. You can type in Renegades and my name, Benjamin Miller, it'll pop up. If you want to connect personally, LinkedIn is probably the best place. I'm pretty easy to find. Yes. The261.com. So there you just, just get a hold of it and there you also get other ways of getting a hold of Bench. So final question now, Bench, tell us about the action steps. What do you suggest a listener does after hearing this conversation? role personally and professionally? So I, that's a great question. I think 
it all depends on where they are right now. A good coach, I'm not going to give you the answer, but I think that the question is maybe the answer in its own. So my encouragement would be that, especially coming up this time of year, great time to stop and reflect and think about what are the activities that you did in 2023 that yielded the most fruit, the biggest, highest impact. And how do you do more of that in 2024? And the simple answer is looking at the things you spent time on in 2023 that didn't pay off. They weren't worth your time. Somebody else could have done that or they could have not been done. And just decide that you're going to figure out how you are not going to do that anymore. Maybe somebody else has to do it. Maybe you don't do it, but figure out how you're going to give that zero attention next year so that you can focus on the things that you want to be focusing on for the biggest impact. Wow. So Bank gives a great advice. Never doubt the beard, guys. Just follow what it is. Thank you so much, Ben, for such a great conversation. It was a pleasure to meet you today and uh, honor to host you. Yeah, thank you. I hope we helped somebody out there. Yes, we did. Thank you so much, Ben. With that said, that was today's episode of the Sparking Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Kiran Agra, signing off. You guys take care. Bye, guys. <laughs>